In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. This whole past week we have been celebrating the great feast of Pentecost. This Sunday we have the feast of the Most Holy Trinity. Next Sunday we will have the feast of Corpus Christi. All feasts that follow in supernatural order as God reveals more and more and we acknowledge and celebrate the great mysteries of the Holy Trinity and the Incarnation. I want to focus though mostly on Pentecost since I was not with you last Sunday I was at the other church and as you know our other church is uh, the Church of the Holy Trinity where we offer daily the Tridentine Mass and in the upper dome of the sanctuary, the apse of Holy Trinity Church is a representation of the Holy Spirit. It is very large and dramatic. The wingspan on that artistic representation is more than 13 feet wide. That representation of the Holy Spirit is a steady reminder to us whenever we attend Mass, the Mass is offered there, that that church is a temple of the Holy Spirit, as is this Church of St. Augustine as well. But in the Church of Holy Trinity, that paraclete figure that spans nearly the whole of the sanctuary is a visible reminder that uh, that church and this church as well are temples of the Holy Spirit. Another way that we often speak of that is to refer to churches as houses of God. But both are reflecting the same reality that these churches are dedicated to God and that God in fact is present in those churches. Truly present in the fact that the Blessed Sacrament is always reserved in the church but also present because the Holy Spirit uh, has a certain abiding presence in these churches that have been consecrated. So we have that that visible reminder. And I dare to say as pastor and having been here for many, many years, that whether we are in this church of St. Augustine or the other church of Holy Trinity, these truly are houses of God. And by that I don't mean only the brick and mortar and the art, but the faithful who fill this church who truly have the faith and uh, love God and practice the faith religiously. So we are in the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as a gathering of the faithful, we represent those within that temple. But there's another interesting feature 
about that large image of the paraclete, which is the image of a dove. No matter where you sit in that church, when you look at the face of the paraclete, it will appear to you that the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, is looking directly at you and even has his head turned if you happen to be in one of the far sides of the pew. It will literally look like the Holy Spirit is looking at you no matter where you sit in that church. And in fact, if you were to walk across the church from one side to the other, as you were looking at the face of the paraclete, it would appear that the head is actually turning and following you and looking directly at you as you walk across the church. That is a reminder to us that not only are we the temple of the Holy Spirit as a church and parish, where the faith is very strong and alive, but individually, each one of us is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That language is not the innovative language of your pastor. That is the language of St. Paul the Apostle. He wrote to the Christians of his time, Remember, you are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within you as in a temple. So we have both our churches and parish as a whole, which are temples of the Holy Spirit. Each one of us, as faithful Catholics, in the grace of our baptism, if that grace is forfeited, we cease to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. But so long as we are in the grace of our baptism, we are individually temples of the Holy Spirit. Now I begin with that, with those two very positive observations, that our parish is a strong temple of the Holy Spirit where the faith is strong and tradition is very much alive, and also individually, I see you here week after week and weekday after weekday in many cases. Uh, you are temples of the Holy Spirit and your faith is strong and alive. But that is not true in all parishes and churches. And that is certainly not true in the universal institutional church. The universal institutional church is not strong in the present times. It is very weak. It is very confused. It is very divided. And while some would claim that the major division, and even some of the hierarchy would claim this, though not our local hierarchy, would claim that a major cause of division in the universal church are Tridentine Catholics. That we are the cause of division. And that is utter, utter nonsense. Utterly not true. And in fact, a case in point would be our parish, where with 
the increasing growth of the traditional community. The Tridentine Catholics represent a full half now of the parish, and the other half being faithful Catholics as well. And uh, we have managed to cooperate and keep a working sense of unity while still holding fast to tradition ourselves throughout all these many years. So this parish puts to lie the claim that somehow traditional Catholics divide the Catholic Church. No, the institutional church is very, very weak at this time. And I'm not going to go into all of the details as to the why, but statistically we know that to be the case in that worldwide, especially in Western Europe and in our own nation, the majority of baptized Catholics don't even go to Mass. Don't even go to Mass. And in this country, statistics show that even of those still going to Mass, not traditional Catholics, I know, but from the vast others, a majority don't believe in the real presence, which we will be celebrating as a feast in one week. That's representative of a very weak church, as well as a very confused church in so many other regards with regards to heterodoxy, uh, from within our leadership. So that temple, or what should be the temple, is weak and fractured in so many ways. And because of that, in the face of that, what is happening? Well, here's where we go back to the first Pentecost. The first Pentecost, which was the first lesson of the feast, describes how the Holy Spirit was poured forth upon the apostles and disciples. And the first charismatic grace or gift that was manifested at that time was the fact that with all of the foreign peoples that had gathered at Jerusalem for the Jewish feast of Pentecost, even though they came from throughout the far-spread regions of the Roman Empire and spoke various languages, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, they were all able to understand each other, not knowing the foreign languages of the various peoples gathered. That's very significant in light of something significant of the Old Testament namely Babel. Pentecost reversed Babel. Babel, if you recall, following the time of Noah, God commanded that Noah's sons would, uh, with their generations, spread across the face of the earth and multiply. Instead, defied God, determined to gather in one large city, to make themselves great, to make a name for themselves, and to build a tower reaching into the heavens as an act of rebellion against God to make the claim that we are God. 
That was Babel. And God looked down on their tower and kicked it over like we would kick over tinker toys. And he scattered them and confused their languages so they could not understand each other. Pentecost started the process of reversing that. Suddenly the peoples are gathered and they can understand one another, united in the one true faith. So Pentecost was the antithesis of battle and was the reversal of that curse. My friends, because the institutional church is so weak at present, Babel is being rebuilt even now as I speak. Babel is being rebuilt by those in rebellion against God into a new world order. At the time of Babel long ago, they wanted to create their own new world order with man at the center and man at the top without God. That is being done right now, worldwide, with a new world order. And they don't call it Babel. They call it New World Order. They call it the Great Reset. They use slogans like Build Back Better, which would be better rendered as Build Babel Back. And they love words like sustainability and so on. This is an attempt by ungodly men who are in rebellion against God to rebuild Babel in our own time. And they do it by a preternatural power and impetus of Satan, the fallen Lucifer, and the other demons. And if this is to be the final Babel, unlike the Babel of old, and we are in fact already into apocalyptic times, which may be the case, then with this Babel before the final coming of our Savior when he will kick over their tower again, there will rise the Antichrist. The Antichrist. There have been many since the time of Christ. But we may be moving into the time of the final Babel and the final Antichrist. We don't know, but we look for the signs. So what are we to do? Not one of us is a pope. No one here is a bishop. We don't exercise authority over that institutional church that is weak right now. But we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Our parish is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is strong, and it can be stronger and bigger. And each of us individually is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we can always grow and grow and grow in holiness and be stronger as individual temples of the Holy Spirit. And that is what is needed now, evermore, and will be needed 
as Babel continues to be rebuilt. We must remain strong as a traditional parish, as a temple of the Holy Spirit, remain strong individually as temples of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.